Good morning. There's like a live band outside, so I don't know if that's uh, if you can hear that as well. It just appeared like two minutes ago. So that may be accompanying us during this talk. So as some of you know, uh, yesterday uh, I graduated along with Inzan and Lila and Rachel uh, from Union Theological Seminary. And thank you. <laughs> and I spoke actually yesterday at the, at the chapel that preceded the graduation ceremony. And I made reference in that reflection to a concept, or rather a teaching, a practice that I learned from one of the professors there named uh, Dr. John Tatominal. And we usually refer to him as Dr. T. He self-identifies as Dr. T. We don't just put that on him. Um, and this is a practice uh, that he termed the hospitality of receiving. He coined this expression originally as a way of talking about interreligious engagement. That it's possible when people of one faith tradition meet another, that it's actually possible to meet with an attitude of openness and humility as opposed to, say, a colonialist mode of domination or appropriation, you know, that we can actually meet without imposing our ideas on others. And that the, and, and that the act of doing that, that, that act of receiving, is also an act of hospitality, that it's actually a gift. And what I'd like to do today is actually bring that practice in conversation with our Buddhist practices. Actually, it's not even a conversation. We already do that practice in a way. But I'd like to reframe uh, the Buddhist practices of generosity, um, meeting suffering, as actually a practice of hospitality, of a hospitality of receiving. And I, I'd like to now read a, a quote from one of Dr. T's papers, which is a, a beautiful paragraph that talks about the, you know, the non-separation of giving and receiving. And here's the paragraph. You cannot give without receiving. And this is a paper he's talking about. He's talking about Gandhi. Here Gandhi speaks a fundamental human truth. The one who seeks to give without receiving does neither. Authentic giving requires receptivity. Those who seek to give must stand prepared to receive as any giving that comes from on high, from an attitude of asymmetrical condescension, demeans 
and does not enrich. If you give in such a way that suggests that you have nothing to receive, then you do not in truth give. Instead, you violate. Isn't that a beautiful paragraph? Sometimes I think the tuition I paid was actually for paragraphs like this, so beautifully written and concise. If you give in such a way that suggests that you have nothing to receive, then you do not in truth give. Instead, you violate. And of course, that's the whole, describes in a way the kind of whole colonial project, the idea that the West has something to give and nothing to receive. And I says, as I said before, the this idea of the non-duality of giving and receiving is, of course, not foreign to, to Buddhism or to our Zen practice. We physically enact this when we do orioki. It describes how the perfection of generosity functions in the world as a seamless circle of giving and receiving. And in the Genjo Koan, Dogen, also uh, a master of the beautiful, concise paragraph, he describes the orientation of the heart-mind that is required to practice the hospitality of receiving. Just two sentences. To carry yourself forward and experience myriad things is delusion. That myriad things come forth and experience themselves is awakening. So in those two sentences, we see a description of these two orientations of the heart. I don't want to talk about them as attitudes. I want to talk to them very viscerally and organically as orientations of the heart. In the first sentence, to carry yourself forward and experience myriad things. We're starting from the get-go from a place of separation. I'm over here and I'm walking through a world of myriad things which I think I can control or manipulate and uh, encounter. You know, there's an intact self that's stitching itself its way through a, a, a separate fabric of myriad things. And then second sentence another orientation another relationship that myriad things come forth and experience themselves is awakening here non-separation is assumed it's not even that 
we're over here just passively waiting for myriad things to come and affect us. The myriad things are just arising as themselves and as our large self. What we construe as ourself is just one of the myriad things, as Shohaku Okamura says. So in that way, that is that practice is an act of surely renunciation, of renouncing our clinging to an individual self. You could also say it's an act of radical receptivity. That we're, uh, we're simply allowing the world to emerge as it is, as we are. And today I also want to frame this as an act of hospitality. That this that this orientation, this relationship is a way of being hospitable, a way of welcoming the world as it has come to be. And I've been thinking about this reframing in the past few days and there's something very, uh, I think, very warm about construing this as hospitality, especially in this time when we're physically separate, separate, when we're isolated, and when we're in quarantine. That there's actually, again, to use Arundhati Roy's term, a portal that we can actually walk through and practice hospitality in this moment. You know, with ourselves and all beings. All beings kind of construed widely. So an emotion as a being, a cup as a being, our partner as a being, the Sangha as beings. Pema Chodron, you know, Pema Chodron has come up a lot lately, I think, in the past two months as uh, a teacher whose wisdom kind of speaks to this time. I mean, the title of her books, The Wisdom of No Escape, When Things Fall Apart, uh, it's almost like her, her brand of wisdom, her... Uh, perspective on the teachings, almost like it was custom-built for moments of acute crisis. And of course, she offers the practice of Tonglen, which is a Tibetan practice, and, and that's usually translated as 
sending and taking or sending and receiving. And this is a teaching that you know, Tia used to uh, teach about a lot. I think I first learned it through Tia and then read about it uh, in Tamil Chodron's books. And this uh, Tonglen is a, describes in very concrete, practical ways how we can implement this practice of hospitable receiving in our life. And the, the essence of it, as I understand, is on the in-breath, we breathe in pain and suffering, take it in without trying to change it. We just take in the full experience of pain and suffering. And then on the out-breath, we breathe out joy, ease, well-being, satisfaction, anything that is wholesome and good. A lot of times this is accompanied with visualizations. So on the in-breath, you can visualize uh, thick smoke. And then on the out-breath, something clear. And the Pema Chodron talks about it as a practice that uh, is a, it's a cultivation practice. Cultivating bodhicitta, the heart, mind of awakening. I'm going to read from uh, Pema here. Bodhicitta has the qualities of gentleness, precision, and openness. Being able just to let go and open up. Specifically, the purpose of Tonglen is to awaken and cultivate bodhicitta. So we're practicing opening up the heart to receive suffering, to receive the pain and allow it to come up. And then in the next moment, we breathe out ease and joy, comfort, loving kindness. Pema also talks about it as a practice of cultivating fearlessness, developing a capacity to be with suffering. So that dimension of fearlessness. So there's a, a fearlessness, a courage, and a resilience that's cultivated over time in this practice.
And another thing which I think is very important, and again, really gets back to this idea of uh, hospitable receiving. And again, I'm going to read directly from uh, Pema here. This is the key point about Tonglen. Your, your own experience of pleasure and pain becomes the way that you recognize your kinship with all sentient beings. So when you think about it this way, Tonglen becomes a very personal practice at the same time as it's boundless. And realizing, uh, you could say Sangha, realizing your communion with all beings. So ultimately it it enables compassion to emerge. And also, and actually Dr. T in his paper, the, his paper is specifically about Gandhi and uh, Martin Luther King. And he's talking about actually the practice of of nonviolence, of satyagraha, uh, as actually a, uh, again, a radical act of receiving, receiving suffering. And in that receiving, we touch our own humanity, we touch an aspect of the human condition. And dignity is actually expressed. So there's something very upright and dignified about this orientation of receiving the suffering and then the giving forth of love. So what I'd like to do now is actually let us practice this. The one of the wonderful things about Tonglen, and I think Tia used to emphasize this, is you can do it anywhere. She used to do it on the subway. She talked about doing it on the subway. And of course we can do it wherever we are, in our apartment, outside in the backyard. We can do it when we're uh, physically alone. So I'd like to have a sit maybe for five minutes, maybe a little less, just to get a taste of this in and out, this touching and inviting in of suffering, and then the giving forth of ease and joy. You know, these two sides of human condition is the way Pema talks about it. So I'm gonna ring the bell.
So just settling into the body and the breath. First, just bringing our awareness to the breathing, the inhalation and the exhalation. And as we settle, you can imagine with the inhalation, breathing in pain, suffering, confusion. doesn't have to be the suffering of the entire world. It can be, it can be something small, a discomfort in the body or a subtle clinging, just breathing in that, bringing in, breathing in that, that pain however large, however small. And then the out-breath, releasing and breathing out ease, breathing out joy, breathing out loving-kindness, tender-heartedness. like a gentle seesaw, suffering in, ease out. Breathing the suffering in. Ah. 
allowing it, welcoming it. But in the next moment, breathing out ease and joy. Thank you for taking part in that. Again, I think Tonglen is one of the wonderful aspects of Tonglen is, is that it's adaptable. So again, we can do it anywhere. We can also do it at our own, at our own speed. You know, another expression I heard recently is the velocity of grief. So we can move along with the velocity of our own grief. Um, mine lately is very slow. I'm trying to be very, very slow lately. Um, so Tonglen can move with us at that pace. So it can, it can be a very gentle and tender-hearted practice, which is how I'd like to offer it um, in this moment. Um, that it can be a very gradual training and a way of cultivating a capacious heart that's flexible and resilient. And it's also the way I'm discovering how I'm actually connecting with Sangha is through this portal of being with my own suffering in a gentle way. As soon as I enter into that space, it's like I'm walking into a low door, you know, a low door in a wall, and I'm there with everyone. So this is, this way of framing it has been really helpful to me. Um, and so I'd like to offer that to all of us as uh, a gentle encouragement to being with ourselves and thus and the world. I didn't have much more to say beyond that. Uh, thank you very much for coming this morning. Um, I would like to dedicate whatever merit has accrued from this talk uh, in gratitude to my teachers, 
not just bodhisattvas and ancestors, but uh, all my teachers, my teachers at Union, I'm filled with deep gratitude uh, over what they've given over the past three years to Tia, to Laura, and also to the, to the well-being of Kosen at this time. So, um, again, that this, this dedication of merit is, I hope, another expression of the hospitality of receiving. And to really think that this is a way we can give at this moment by embodying this activity. We can we can model fearlessness, we can model dignity and take that out, even if it's just we're walking to the grocery store. Those are moments for embodying fearlessness and dignity, taking in and sending, taking in and sending. That doesn't have, that doesn't have to stop because we're not able to be in the same room. So I'd really like to in, uh, invite that. So thank you very much. Um, oh, hi Kaishin, hi Ryan. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'd like to uh, have a time if anybody has questions or any el anything else they'd like to share at this time. Uh, feel free just to uh, unmute yourself and and speak, and you can bow in the beginning and bow at the end, so we know when when you're done. And. Yes. Uh, who, who's that? Laura. Oh, hi, Laura. <laughs> can you see me? I can. Okay, good. I, I really wasn't going to speak, but I was so moved by your talk. And I also listened to your, um, your, your chapel yesterday. So I just want to first start off by saying um, how much joy I have in my heart for um, you and for Inzan and for Rachel and Lila during this time. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, also, I just wanted to express, um, in speaking about this giving and receiving, <clears throat> it is very visceral for me. It's very heartfelt. I could feel, and I think we all here feel so held receiving receiving energetically from everybody's well wishes um which has been amazing and um connecting to the pain of the world in a way that i i can feel um i can feel how we're all held in this collective humanity that you spoke about so i just wanted to name um for all those who are listening how deeply um, nourished we are by everybody's well wishes 
Um, I also wanted to just name, I think Kosin is, I know is feeling it as well, and I think is getting stronger. So we're all doing well here. And, um, and I love what you spoke about, which is that we are really deeply connected beyond the boundaries of our physical ability to be together. So um, I just wanted to express my appreciation for feeling that so enormously now, maybe more than ever. Um, so thank you so much to everybody. Um, and also, uh, really, I just, I think right at this moment, I'm just really receiving through your teaching, everything that you have cultivated over so many years of both giving and receiving for this Sangha. So I, I am looking forward to seeing how your ministry evolves over the years. And thank you so much for this offering today. So anyway, just wanted to express my joy and gratitude to, to, um, to everybody. Um, and I, and I feel like, um, we're all going to be okay. <laughs> At least, um, if we can keep relying on each other. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Laura. Hi, Ian. Hi, Anson. Thank you. That was such a beautiful offering. I've done Tonglen before, um, and it was really interesting to do it just now with everybody and have a, an experience that I just wanted to share, which is, um, you know, I'm still catching my breath after being ill and... So feeling the, um, the concentration on the breathing and that uh, kind of remnants of tightness in my chest and the, the kind of palpable access that we all have right now to suffering, it was almost like the seesaw was, wasn't balanced quite. It was almost like I had to uh, breathe out three times to match the, the one inhalation yeah. of... Uh, the pain and suffering and um that was uh just something that was very um clear to me just now practicing mm -hmm. that with you all and i hadn't really felt that way before when practicing tonglen um yeah it's just the feeling that i had and um maybe that will um ease with more practice of Tonglen and maybe that's something that I'll, I'll um, explore. Mm -hmm. uh, but thank you so much for that offering and um, it's really nice to see everybody. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Inzan. I think also there's a way of, I bet I was thinking about that, that, you know, not everybody is operating with the same lung capacity right now. That there's maybe a way of doing Tonglen where we're actually, uh, quote-unquote, breathing into the hara. So it's not so much a lung involvement as an energetic sensation of taking in to the belly, to the energetic center of the belly, and ascending out through that same, through that same chakra. So that there might be a way of not tying it so uh, literally to the breathing. 
that there's a way to actually do this practice that's uh, that takes the whole body into consideration. So I'm wondering if that might be a possibility. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, I was naming that the physicality was part of it, but um, mostly what I was um, experiencing was an energetic um, uh, kind of um, imbalance just with my own uh, where I'm at right now in terms of uh, being able to so easily access um, the uh, connected suffering that we're all experiencing so profoundly right now it's just um it's just easy to access right now Mm -hmm. and um so even just uh breathing out joy and ease um it didn't come as easily as the suffering and pain is what i'm saying yeah thank you yeah yes are you moving slowly with your own suffering? Um, well, I think one thing I'm doing is literally moving slowly. I'm actually doing things more slowly. Uh, uh, Yoko and I are, are reading right now. Uh, what is it? Not always so? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Suzuki Roshi's book. And there's a chapter on, I think it's called Walking Like an Elephant. And this kind of slow-moving presence that an elephant has. And just speaking for myself, given now that I don't have to commute anywhere, (laughs) just the fact that I'm not commuting, I have another six hours in my week so I'll even, you know, I'll brush my teeth slower. Almost every aspect of my daily life is slower. You know, I, I usually have a list of things that I want to do, you know, in a notebook. These days, if I do two of them, I'm happy. Um, so I think... And I think a lot of this has to do with the the earth in this moment of uh, isolation. There's been this and this, you know, slowing down of commerce, this uh, uh, the stilling of busyness. There's been this energy from the earth, which I've been feeling as a very slow energy that has that is not invested in productivity. Um, it's not invested in me getting things crossed off my list. And so I'm really practicing receiving that teaching, which is a very, uh, even the teaching is slow. Um, so I, for me, it's actually very concrete, moving slowly, um, walking slowly when I, ha- when I have to go outside. Um, I've become extra sensitized to hurry. Um, 
And I think doing that has uh, cultivated a kind of patience uh, with my own suffering. I'm not so, you know, I have a very strong tendency to, when suffering comes, I want to get rid of it. Um, and the slowing down is part of releasing that, my own frenetic energy around that. Um, so actually being just more patient. And for me, patience has a quality of slowness. Does that help? Thank you. Hi, Ian. Hi. Oh, hi. I just wanted to thank you so much for um, offering that practice of Tonglin. I've, I read about it, but I'd never really done it before. So to get to do it all together in this context was really helpful. And it made me, it just really helped me because I, I hadn't even realized how much energetically during this time I've been holding my breath, like just really holding back, trying not to take in the environment and, mm -hmm. and, um, just trying just being really afraid like afraid of taking in mm -hmm. and i think practicing that really made me feel a sense of strength like just the strength of being able to take in of and also the the practice of wanting to like wanting to take in suffering and having something to offer mm -hmm. out like the belief in in that process that that's possible that I don't just have to protect this small self because I'm weak and alone and um, unable to to be with that so yeah I just thank you so much I really needed that today especially and just seeing you and just feeling your love for offering that to us yeah thank you so much thank you this is the uh Pema Chodron book, uh, Wisdom of No Escape, which has a really good uh, description of Tonglen uh, in it. Yeah, I also think there's something about, and it's not just like taking in the suffering is what cultivates capacity and resilience, but the giving out of the joy also is capacity building too. We're building that capacity at the same time. Thank you, Kaishin. Yeah. Oh, hi, Iki. Hi. Um, I really would like to thank you for offering this practice. It was really helpful for me because um, I have been kind of noticing what happens to my body when I'm exposed to either like anger or conflict um, that is within myself, but also exposed to somebody feeling that. Mm -hmm. And um, because, you know, I this during the pandemic, I curb my space and I'm with my son who also has this, um, feelings. So I have been kind of practicing how this kind of uh, pain 
gets into me and then like you know kind of I'm recognizing what is happening to my body so this practice so I would but I was having hard time taking not being able to take like you know capacity of how much I can take on that Mm -hmm. you know and so with him or with the world and I was sometimes I felt really overwhelmed but this practice well, really is really helpful. I have never done it, and this was the first time in recognizing it. That it's a really an opportunity mm-hmm. for me to 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 take it in, real, making connection, and then yes, like breathing out the happiness and joy and pleasure mm-hmm. and kindness. And yeah, thank you so much. I I would like to practice this more and it really offered me a way to be in this like way to be in this world how i can be in this world so thank you very much thank you so much i also invite i I, there i'm sure there are people that have more experience with tonglen than i do who are who are listening? If anybody else wants to share their experience of doing this practice, I welcome it. Um, hi, I have one one comment or share. Maybe that sometimes before this, in a maybe a possibly in a Tibetan context, you would do like a a refuge prayer or something relational that might make you feel a little more resilient that you're not taking on. Uh, um, the suffering alone or invoking uh, deities or something that will kind of support you that you wouldn't just transition right into this taking in. Um, so I think, I mean, there's probably stuff, I, I, I'm not an experienced and a student and even a bodhisattva vows or reading something before kind of primes the mind to to feeling um, a part of something as alone like a, a like you're taking this all by yourself you're supported thank you yeah thank you for for bringing that up and yes i am sensitive to the fact that we're that you know we're taking a practice here out of out of its out of its context in a way so um so yeah thank you for naming that i think that's really important um and the the danger of appropriating something like that is very real so uh, yeah i definitely want to be sensitive to that um and certainly appreciate the uh, the practice of invoking ancestors and taking refuge as a prelude to doing this this physical work. Absolutely. Thank you. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, Terrence. Hey, so um, actually really scared to uh, go into this question. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and, and jump in because it's it's not really a feel-good question for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, right before your talk, I was uh, watching um, the uh, uh, Robin D'Angelo and uh, Resma um, 
workshop on COVID-19 and, um, and, and racial embodiment. And, um, you know, something about the, the, the quote that you read around, um, that giving was not really giving if it wasn't also receiving kind of bubbled something up for me. And so, um, uh, I, I guess I really hope that I'm not going to harm anyone bringing this up because I know this is a really difficult time for all of us. But I think what was coming up for me is that in this time, um, you know, COVID-19 is definitely um, affecting uh, certain bodies, uh, particularly, you know, people of color, indigenous people, much more than, uh, you know, white folks. And uh, they're feeling the impact in very heavy ways. And even though everyone is suffering, there are certain systemic um, structural aspects to our society that, that have made it inevitable that um, entire populations are being impacted in way more serious ways than uh, white folks. And I think for the sort of liberal uh, kind of left side of our society, there can be a feeling of seeing um, people that are being affected, people of color being affected as victims. And it gives us white liberals a sense of kind of benevolence. Um, and I'm quoting Robin here on this. Um, so. And it gives us a kind of a moral credibility. And I just want to bring that in the room right now because I, I, I feel like sometimes if we put ourselves in a position of like we're giving, but not also receiving that suffering, there's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, and so my thoughts are not fully formed here, but that was just kind of coming up really strongly in my body right now. So I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to share that and see if you have any just thoughts or feelings about that. Um, yeah, I... Uh, thank you for bringing that up. I completely agree. Um, and I think that's the, the essence of that first quote that I read from Dr. T about, you know, giving... If we're giving from a place where... You know, if we're giving from, from a place on high, from a, from a perspective of condescension, then it's not, it's, and with the idea that we have actually nothing to take in from somebody else's experience, then that's not giving, and that's not receiving. Um, so I think... Yeah, there's also, you know, from that perspective, I think that, that this practice is, can also be used as a, as a mirror to that. What are we unable to actually receive right now? And when we look at it that way, it may illuminate whiteness If it doesn't, I'd be surprised. So, um, yeah, I think this practice can absolutely, it has to, uh, 
expose that. I think if it's done wholeheartedly, it will. Um, I mean, that's in the context of this paper that he wrote, he's really talking about uh, an attitude of colonialism and white supremacy that is premised on the idea that we have something that the rest of the world doesn't have and we actually need to give it. Full stop. Um, And that when we actually look at what generosity is and we actually start practicing it, that 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 actually can't be true. That's actually not how it functions. And so a giving that that happens in any ways is is a perversion of that. So um, thank you very much for bringing that in. Thank you. Um, we'll close now with our closing chant, which I will put up on the screen. May our intentions equally penetrate to every being and thing. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.